You've been lied to, but you don't know how. You've searched, you've struggled, you've cried out. You want the truth, but where is it? You've wandered, you've fought, you've strived, and you have not been satisfied. What is truth? Where is truth? Who is truth? The kingdom of God. Mind control. The last days. Higher dimensions. Unity. The power of faith. Discovering the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. God has promised that he will hide us under his feathers and under his wings we will trust. His truth shall be our shield and our buckler. Discovering the Truth with Dan Devon is the premier program that is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is designed to show you how to become more than you have ever imagined through the power of truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And now, prepare for your host, Dan Duvall. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. This program is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is a production of Bride Ministries, and you can find us at www.bridemovement.com. Wow. Folks, I returned this weekend from a trip. I didn't tell anyone publicly that I would be taking. And it, it was a long time coming, this particular trip that I took. And among others, I took it with someone you will recognize from my program, a survivor named Elena. And we met this past weekend at Point Montauk, New York. And we went there to pray. We got the assignment from God. There, there was no question that the assignment was made, and it was simply a matter of dates. When, when, oh, when, God, are we supposed to go and pray on the ground where all of these horrific time and space experiments and atrocities performed against humanity were performed? And as time passed, it became clear that the most logical time to go would be the second week in April, which was last weekend. So, without really doing anything on purpose, I set my tickets for Saturday to Monday, the most ideal time for me to travel due to various things, including the testing of our Fireplace Church website and other kinds of Things I, It just made no sense for me to travel until Saturday and Monday was the most practical time for me to fly back because I have a full jam-packed week and it's hard for me to take out more than one day of my week on any given week. 
because of the season and realistically with the church launch coming up, it, it's just, it made sense. This is the best time to go. Well, yeah, best time to go. After I booked the tickets, I realized, oh, look at that. I'm going April 9th through the 11th. 9-11-9-1-1. Hmm. Isn't that so funny? And of course, the day that I'm actually going to be praying at Montauk was the 10th. April 10. And for those of you that are not familiar with biblical numerology, 10 is often associated with the completion of judgment. 10 plagues. 10 days of awe. It's really, really interesting how that all played out. And so I I went and we prayed. And I'll tell you what, there's going to be some discussion that's going to happen about this Subject And that'll be in a couple weeks. I'll have her on my program and we'll go into a bit of detail on all the various things that I'm sure you're so excited about to hear now. And you'll just have to sit on the edge of your seats and wait two weeks. But uh, I can tell you this. We took a three page long prophetic declaration that I had scribed out during my prayer times over the course of the week leading up to that. And and it was a very, very powerful word. And then, lo and behold, on my way back, Monday, April 11th, I, I got a text, someone sharing, hey, Daniel, guess what happened this past weekend? They decided to cancel the building of this Temple to Baal in Times Square in New York. And I said, of course, they decided to cancel that. I mean, let's be real. God had an ordained time and there was some pretty heavy things that went on in the spirit. Wow. You know, folks, God is a God that answers prayer. And the fact that I was there on the ground only made it that much more significant to me. While I know that there was tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands potentially of Christians that were praying around the country against this thing. I I know that it came up while we were at Montauk. Well, we did specifically address that issue. And so I'm praising God that it was stopped, the, the Temple to Baal. And I'm also praying, praising God for everything else that occurred as a result of our obedience. So my weekend was spent in New York came back and <laughs> back to work. And so with that praise report, we have another praise report coming up, which is that we go public with the Fireplace Church this Friday, April 15th. We are going live. That means that you, yes, you can visit www.thefireplacechurch.org and hang out with us, view our new website, enjoy our internet-based ministry service and discussion groups afterwards at 7 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time. Again, that's April 15th, 7 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time, www.thefireplacechurch.com. Dot org, the vision for establishing an internet-based ministry service that caters to 
community development over the internet launches. I am really, really excited. I want to thank every one of you that has financially contributed to this work, this effort. We have built this and thus far we have remained debt free. We have paid cash and I'm going to tell you what, it's getting paid off in cash. Everything that we do with this this vision, I am firmly, firmly convinced God has provided for, not with a note of debt from a bank or some other kind of financial institution, no, from the vaults of his kingdom, where he has a very large and vast arrays of resources that he dispenses for every good work. And so for those of you that have participated in the release of all of that provision, I want to say thank you. I'm praising God for you. Is everything paid off yet? Not yet. We're still receiving invoices from our web developer, and we'll have to pay those as they are issued. Over time, we're going to be adding more and more features to the website. We're starting with the basics and just getting the foundation of everything we have set out to do working. After that, we're going to add a lot of bells and whistles, and so there'll be further investment into that. We're going to be expanding the ministry, obviously, to uh, cater to all the need that this project in and of itself is going to create for us. And so, folks, I just want to say God is growing things. Things are blossoming. You are a very special and awesome set of people. And I just want to thank every one of you that's listened to us. And, and you know, I'm looking forward to having you participate with us in the internet-based ministry service at thefireplacechurch.org. In addition to these announcements, I'm going to just kind of get into it today. We're going to be talking about portals part two, because I have a lot more to say. I was talking about this last week, and I said, you know, (laughs) I'm kind of tired. I'll see you all later. Uh, Last week was rough. Uh, Realistically, we're just in a whirlwind of activity, folks, but I'll tell you what, there's a lot more to be said on portals. So, Oh, yes. And one more thing. Bride discipleship. Man, oh, man. I have to say a word about this. There's been a lot of you that have signed up. There's still a few empty seats available. We've had the emails go out. Classes start April 18th. That's next week, Monday. If you wanted to take our spiritual warfare class, it's full. But there are still seats available in the other classes as of the recording of this program. And if you are on our email waiting list, you are still able to click those links and get in there. Our four classes that are available are Grace, In Christ, The Kingdom, and Spiritual Warfare. These have been an incredible journey for people that have uh, joined into those classes. We've had so many positive testimonies of breakthrough, revolution, paradigm shifts, just the handiwork of God that has manifested in people's lives as they have participated in these group discussions. The classes are group discussions. It's live. It's interactive. You meet people. You get to ask questions. You get really, really great teaching. It's just been an awesome experience all the way around. So if you want to be a part of that, you you have a little bit more time left on the three classes that we do still have a little bit of space in. So 
uh, again, if, if you're on an email list, you have that in your email. That's it. We're going to get to the rest of the content. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. And today we're going to be talking about Portals Part 2. Last week we were talking about Portals Part 1. And I was telling you, listen, the reality of the situation that we're in, folks, is that Christians have received from God, the creator and maker of heaven and earth, divine right, to reign in life. The Bible says, though by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. We, we have received the, the, the authority to reign. We have received from God authority over serpents and scorpions to tread upon them all the power of the enemy. We serve a God who conquested the heavens. It says all authority in heaven and on earth belongs to the God, the Christians, that is Jesus. As a matter of fact, it says of him that he disarmed principalities and powers, triumphing over them, making an open show of them in it in the book of Colossians. And all of this comes together to reveal to us that God intended for the spirit realm to be dominated not by the New Agers and the occultists who spend all their time in the spirit realm and talking about the spirit realm, but the people that serve him since he went in and subdued the whole thing. The Bible says that at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And so as Christians, what do we do with all this truth? We put it in a toilet and flush. And then we get mad at anybody that tries to bring it up as if Christians should have anything to do with the spirit realm. There's Christians running around all over the place. What do you mean spirit realm stuff? You're weird. You're of the devil. You're a new ager in disguise. A wolf in sheep's clothing. You know what? I think the wolves in sheep's clothing are the Christians that tell people that we should have nothing to do with the spirit realm as believers in Jesus Christ. The only thing that you are doing is empowering the devil to sit on everything that God purchased through the blood of Jesus Christ. So you can sit down. I'm talking. <laughs> Listen, folks, New Agers have stolen so much language regarding the spirit realm, the occultists. They have stolen so much. They have used 
uh, principles that are simply hijacked and twisted to manipulate things in the spirit realm that has already been subdued by the God that the Christians serve. And then we've been told lies like, oh, well, the only reason that you pray is so that you can have joy if God decides to answer it. You know, this whole idea of Christians buying into this garbage that God's sovereignty means he controls everything is ludicrous. As a matter of fact, I got into this with Steve Harmon, a guest I had on a few weeks ago, and it was just very clearly articulated. Listen, uh, God does not control everything. As a matter of fact, he, he has all authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus Christ has it. But there are principles and mechanics at work that if Christians do not understand or utilize, it makes the work of God almost null and void. As, as a matter of fact, the Bible says that, Paul said this, I do not frustrate the grace of God for his righteousness has come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. It's like there are things you can do that are so stupid, it would make vain the very work of God. Like trying to find righteousness through the law. <laughs> that is the Torah. Why can't you find righteousness through the law? Well, because Jesus Christ fulfilled the law for us. He was the perfect sacrifice for God. He became righteousness for us. And so his righteousness is not designed to be religiously pursued through traditions of men and legalism, but through relationship become the reflection of God through us. Anyway, I don't have time to get into righteousness. Today I'm talking about portals, <laughs> right? Um, I'm talking about engaging the spirit realm. I'm talking about standing up in what Jesus purchased for us to stand in. See, the Bible says that we are to pray, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The, the Bible would not tell us, Jesus would not tell us to pray for God's will to be done on earth if his will were already being done. Period. The will of God is not being done. When people get raped, the will of God is not being done. When people die and they are not saved, the will of God is not being done. When Christians are being slaughtered by Muslims in the Middle East and ISIS, the will of God is not being done. See, these kinds of things, it's not the will of God. Is it happening? Yes. Does God have a plan in the midst of all the chaos and turmoil that's breaking out on the earth? Yes. But the Bible says it is not the will of God that any should perish, but that all should come to everlasting or life, or all should come to repentance. So we know the will of God is not always done because not everybody comes to repentance. So we, we, we get told all of these things by people that don't know what they're talking about. And we get all of our language stolen from us about the spirit realm and how it really works. Did you know that prayer is the way that Christians recharacterize the goings-on and the business and transactions that are occurring in the spirit realm. You know, God told me this. He said, Daniel's spirit establishes agreement in heaven, but the soul 
The mind, the will, and the emotion speaking through the physical body establishes agreement in the earth. And when heaven and earth come into agreement, that is when the power of God moves. Did you know that God could not redeem man without coming to earth as a man because there had to be a point of agreement in the earth in order for God to bring salvation to mankind? There was only one way God could do it. He had to come as Jesus Christ. He had to be born on this planet. He had to live life and then die for our sins and be raised back to life so that in the spirit he established agreement in heaven and on earth he established agreement in the earth so that heaven and earth could come into alignment and a plan of God could be fulfilled that righteousness and salvation and sanctification would be brought to men through the finished work of Jesus Christ. And I tell you, why did Jesus create this example where he is engaging heaven and earth and then say, okay, now Christians just sit in a pew and wait until I come back because there's nothing you can do. There's no model you can follow. There's no type or shadow in my life. Hello, we're Christians, Christ followers. We should be looking at how Jesus did things to get an idea about how we should do things. See, we are here on earth to establish agreement with heaven that the will of God can be done on earth as it is in heaven and from earth reflected and refracted through the heavens. Oh my gosh. And so it brings us to the conversation on portals. See, Portal, portal, I, I love this word because it gets you in trouble. You bring up the word portal as a Christian and people think you're weird. People think you're funny. People think that, oh, you, you are a new ager in disguise. You're the wolf in sheep's clothing. I already got into that. Um, the thing is, there's nothing weird about the word portal. Actually, I love it when people come to me and say, Dan Duvall, where do you find portals having anything to do with Jesus in the Bible? Oh, praise God. I'm glad you asked. Let's talk about it. See, and, and last time I did this program on portals, I, I got into a few mega ones. I talked about the Tower of Babel and how that was designed to be a portal because people were trying to build the tower to heaven. And in the book of Jasher, I mean, they just come right out and say it. They wanted to go to heaven and make a war with God. And, but God came down, saw what they were building, and said, let us uh, stop them, because if they succeed in this thing, then nothing will be withheld from them. It, it, God knew what the result of their success on this endeavor would be. It was not going up. It was going, I should say, expanding out. We're talking trans-dimensional activity here. So portal portal shows up right there it shows up again in the book of ezekiel when you see god with his living creatures and his throne coming into earth time space as ezekiel engages in this vision of god in ezekiel chapter one we talked about the clouds and how these dark clouds become a manifestation when a portal into earth time space is ripped open from the dimension of God and we realize that these dark clouds were the reason why uh, a, a horror of darkness came upon Abram when God showed up to create the Abrahamic covenant because Abraham falls asleep and lo a horror of great darkness comes upon him and the next thing you know there's God not the devil God walking through the sacrifice we talked about this last week and he's making this covenant based not on Abraham's ability to keep a set of rules or an agreement or it had nothing to do with Abraham God based the Abrahamic covenant on his own ability and shoulders and he said the only way the Abrahamic covenant is going to fail is if I fail because in his seed 
all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And that seed was a singular word, seed, Zerah. It was a reference. It was a messianic prophecy. That seed was Jesus Christ, who became the blessing to all nations, who tore down the veil and united Jew and Gentile into one new man. And that that is the true vine. And so now we see that that God in that time, he had to come and do it himself. So he rips the portal open. So we find three portals right there. Tower of Babel, Abrahamic covenant. We have Ezekiel's prophecy. I'll, I'll tell you what, all three of those just so happen to be found in the Bible. And one of them, the Abrahamic covenant, is actually very significant because it has everything to do with who Jesus Christ is and the plan of God to bring salvation to the world done. Okay, but you know, for all of those that... <laughs> That's so religious, so I don't have to yell at you so much. Um, there's so much more to talk about when it comes to the idea of portals. You know, as the Bible begins to explain, and by the way, when, at the end of all, what is a portal? A portal is a doorway, a gateway, or an entrance. That's all it is. It's, a, it's, a, it's an entrance. It's a way to enter from another place. When I go to a large facility, like a castle, you can call that opening door the portal into the castle you just go in that 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 opening is an entrance it's a it, it it's a portal you know you have portals on the internet what is a portal on the internet well it's, it's simply a term used to describe how you can click something and enter into a website it's called a portal it, it's an entrance well you have entrances in the spirit realm and by the way you have entrances in the spirit realm that work on different dimensional planes. See, I was saying last week that portals have everything to do with transactions in the heavens. It's amazing. When you when you begin to understand, really, really understand portals, you, you have landed on a key to the mechanics of the spirit realm, which, as I began by saying, God designed for Christians, not the occultists and the New Agers to dominate. I don't care if they've camped on the language. What I'm concerned about is what the Bible says and what God said we're here to do, which is to pray his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's called assignment. You know, God has a kingdom. Can I just talk about this for a minute? <laughs> I'm glad you don't get to give me permission. I am going to talk about this for a minute. See, God's kingdom, it is the realm in which God is king, right? So God has this kingdom. It's this realm. It's this government. He occupies it. And it's perfect. There's so much going on there, and it's awesome. There's wealth. There's peace. There's health. There's wholeness. There's no demons. There is harmony. There is fulfillment. See, all of these things that God has in heaven, is, which is his government and realm, is designed to infiltrate the earth with, 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 with and through people that have been tied to that realm. The Bible says in Philippians 3.20, you are citizens in heaven from which we await the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, oh my goodness. These Christians that think that they're on earth waiting for God to come and rescue them out of here or just die so that they can get to heaven and get their pie in the sky because they're so miserable have got it so backwards and wrong it makes me sick. Ahem. Look, the thing is, God designed for Christians to be where he is 
participating in his realm and government so that what is there can be reflected into here through us by faith. You know, one of the amazing, I'm getting back to portals. Just let me rant for a minute here. See, one of the things about faith, you have to understand faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is simply a connection into what God has already determined he wants to do. Lord have mercy. Many Christians waste all of their time trying to figure out something that God should do and then complain at him until he does it and then get upset with him when he doesn't listen. Real faith is submission to an agenda of a king that you serve. Remember, you're in a government here. It's a switch in thinking. And it's, the thing is, is that faith is actually the evidence that the things you are believing for exist. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for. You can have faith unless the things that you believe for are already established somewhere. So God decided and determined that what we are believing for in the earth is already established in the heavens so that as we apply faith, we can connect with heaven and bring heaven into alignment with earth so the things which God has already ordained to be can be brought in. It's amazing to think this way, but the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, we are saved by grace through faith and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God and not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus under good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them and many people they don't understand that when God before ordained works it literally means that he has already set aside works for you to do he didn't send you here on earth to figure out what you're supposed to do. He designed you and said, connect with me and I'm going to tell you what you're supposed to do. I'm going to underwrite what you're supposed to do. I'm going to grace you in what you're supposed to do and I will give you good success. I have plans for you, plans for good and not for evil, plans to give you a hope and a future. And when you use faith, you will connect into those things which have already been established because Ephesians chapter 1 says you've been already blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. People say, man, how do I connect with that in heaven? How does it get into earth? You know how it gets into the earth? God portals it into the earth. Through you and your faith and obedience to him. Praise God. Daniel, why are portals important? You don't understand what you're doing with God. Maybe when you understand that God is causing your faith to open the very elements and mechanics of the spirit realm that will bring in what he has ordained to be in the earth from his realm, you will understand why I'm sitting here telling you about portals. And I remember I was talking to a person and... I was told, you need to stay away from the conversation on portals. I don't want to hear you talking anything about that. That's just weird stuff. Man, you're weird. Come on. Anyway, I, I, I need to talk to you about portals because what I am interested in is I am interested in a company of people, Christians, people that believe in the God who actually does run heaven and earth, who actually does have all the power, who actually does have all the authority, who actually does fulfill his word, who is just and righteous and holy and true. You know, all the things the devil is not because the devil's a liar, a cheater, a scammer, a con artist, a fraud, a fake. <laughs> And people think the devil's got all the power. What a load of hogwash. And you know, 
it's really sad because witches will walk into churches and scoff at the Christians, knowing that the Christians got it so backwards. Even the counterfeit, they have no chance against it. And I watch it happen. I watch it happen. I watch Christians, and they're getting pummeled by the witches and the warlocks and the people and the occultists. and everything. They're pummeled all day long. <laughs> And they're like, well, if God wanted to save me or have me not suffering so much, he would have just done it. And it's like, oh, your theology is so backwards and confused. <sighs> Let's talk about portals. See, so last week we were talking about uh, these these three elements. But there, there's so much more in the Bible about portals. And and we also talked about the heavens a little bit last week. And I, and I have shared on the heavens many times on this program. There are three there are three, uh, essentially, layers to heaven, many dimensions passing through, um, dimensions being extensions in a given direction. I'm not going to get into all of that today. You can always get my book, Higher Dimensions, Parallel Dimensions, and the Spirit Realm, and I really, really break it all down. But, you know, dimensions are extensions in a given direction, and you can have one dimension, two dimension, three dimensions, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. You know, God knows how many there are. But... <clears throat> There are three heavens, and that's what's important. There, and actually, if you really read carefully in the Bible, it says that Jesus has ascended far above all heavens. So there's actually a first heaven, a second heaven, a third heaven, and a above all heavens area. God even knows what that is. I don't even know what that is, but, there, but it's there in the word. So, but you have three main heavens. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2 through 4, you find that there is a third heaven where you find paradise. That's the kingdom of God, the realm of God. And um, it exists outside of time and space, but it is also the highest area of the heavens. And then beneath that, you will have the second heaven. And that's where you find Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, which says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but the principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. And then you have the heavens that are the skies above us, uh, literally the atmosphere of the earth, because Zephaniah 1.3 talks about the fowls of the heaven, the the birds fly in the heaven above our heads, that sky area. And so you have three main heavens. And, uh, well, in order to pass between these heavens or these realms, you have to use a gate, a doorway, an entrance, or huh, a portal. And so <clears throat> we talked last week. And this week, I'm going to give you some more examples of how portals really work. And, and, and the thing is, when you understand the realms, you understand why you need portals. Because you're talking about bringing things across dimensions uh, from different dimensions, higher dimensions to lower dimensions, and sometimes from lower dimensions to higher dimensions. There has to be a way to cross dimensional space. You need you need some kind of doorway. That's what these do. When you begin to study out portals, one of the interesting things you find is that there are actually, in the Bible, portals that go from the first heaven to the second heaven, from the first heaven to the third heaven, from the third heaven to the second heaven, from the third heaven to the first heaven. I mean, they, they literally, you can trace portals that go from all the different heavens to all the others. It, it, it's, it's really interesting. There are examples of each and every one of these. And we saw portals that went from third heaven to first heaven last week when I was talking because I said that God ripped a hole in time space in Ezekiel's vision and came in through this portal with fire engulfing and unfolding on itself with these clouds all over the place. That 
That was God. That was third heaven, the first heaven portal activity. And so this week, we're going to look at a different kind of portal activity. Really, really interesting. In the book of Daniel chapter 10, the Bible says in verse 12, Then he said unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thy heart to understand, to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. So here we have the angel of the Lord. Many believe it's Gabriel. And he comes to Daniel to deliver him a message. God sends him for Daniel's words. You know, let me just pause there. I'm going to come back to portals. Goodness gracious. I meet Christians all the time. They say, Daniel, I love to pray in my head because that way the devil doesn't know what I'm saying. The Bible says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Gabriel did not say, Daniel, I came for your thoughts. Okay? He did not say, Daniel, I came for your thoughts. He said, Daniel, I came for your words. The Bible during creation does not say God thought. And then there was light. It said, God said, let there be light. And then there was light. See, the power is in the words. In the book of Psalms, it says, his angels excel in strength. They perform his word, not his thoughts. The thoughts of God can be kept secret even from the angels. Did you know that? Who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But the Bible says his angels perform his word. And this one said, I came for your words. Let me just boil this down to a very simple statement. It's dumb to do all your praying in your mind. That is a spiritual fallacy. It, you know what? God can hear your thoughts, sure, but it's not getting anything done in the spirit. The, the, the very agents of God that are on assignment to establish his word can't do anything for you if you don't speak. <laughs> ah. So the devil says, you should do all your praying in your head. Yeah, not Okay, so anyway, Daniel Daniel was not a knucklehead. He actually spoke his prayers out loud, like you should be doing. And then the angel got the assignment, go for his words. So he, so he did. And then he told him about it. He said, you're not like all those other knucklehead Christians that pray in their mind only. Uh, you actually speak. So I'm here. Wow. And so the... the uh, the angel then says, I was, however, in a battle. I was withstood for 21 days by the prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now, if this is an angel, you have to understand that the prince, the principality over Persia, this is also another angel, it's, it's, but it's not serving God. And so it's, it's a heavenly battle. This occurs in a realm known as the second heaven. This is where this kind of activity occurs. Angels at war. And, and I have something to say about angels at war. You know, there's so many things about the spirit realm that we are just completely clueless about as Christians that listen to certain types of preaching. It, it's really amazing to me how bad 
our teaching is. And, and I watch all these Christians writing us letters, you know, I mean, and I, I just see it everywhere. You know, it's like, well, Daniel, how can I do this? And Daniel, how can I do that? And all these people writing us, you know, looking for help on how to deal with stuff in the spirit have been in church. I mean, not well, not maybe not all of you, but a lot of you, you, you know, been in church for a long time. And it, nothing, nothing. You've been in church 15 years. You have nothing to show for it. Your life is just as difficult as it was the day you got started. And it's because the truth of how to deal with stuff in the spirit have been systematically destroyed by bad teaching. And the same teachers then go on and say, and you shouldn't talk about portals either. Well, maybe you shouldn't talk at all because if you're sitting there teaching a church of Christians that are failing in life after 15 years under your teaching, you have the problem. So anyway, I'm just saying here, you know, There is a battle in the second heaven. And Michael, the archangel, has to come and he has to help with that battle in order for the one that was sent on the assignment to finish his journey and get to Daniel. And part of the reason why that battle was won and everything else happened was because Daniel was fasting. And so then he shows up and he begins to declare. Now, what I need to say, though, is that there was a method or mechanism by which the angel received the order, that is the assignment from the throne of God to go to Daniel and then traveled from the realm of God, where his throne is, through the spirit. How did he do that? Well, that was through portaling. He portaled out of the realm of God and through the spirit. But that was a portal. Now watch this. It actually began in the third heaven and ended in the second heaven where he was withstood. So last week we talked about portals that went from third to first heaven. God came in, ripped a hole in time space, came into the air we breathe. Well, here the angel goes from the third heaven to the second heaven. Isn't that interesting? So you have portals that go between realms in the heavens. <laughs> I want to give you guys a little short story here. I um, I call this deliverance a 3.0. <clears throat> so I'm working with a person and they're having some money problems. And, you know, I pray about it and I pray a release on their finances and everything like that. And then, and then I stop and I get a prompting in my spirit. Now I'm going to give you some of these mechanics of the spirit realm you didn't know about. Because I didn't know about this either. I mean, it's, you know, I'm learning just like everybody else. This is as, as I live on the front line in many things, uh, dealing with deliverance and especially working with survivors of mind control, satanic ritual abuse, working with Illuminati uh, <coughs> defectors. I'm dealing with the highest levels of stuff all the time, all week long. You know, this is my life, lifestyle. So anyway, I, I'm dealing with this and I get prompted in my spirit. And I ask this question. I say, is there anyone on assignment that received an assignment from God to bring this individual the finances they have been appointed? To bring the provision. Because God calls himself Jehovah Jireh. He is our provider. But he doesn't do everything. Just like a CEO in a corporation doesn't do everything. CEO is responsible for everything. He's calling all the shots at the top. But then there are many underneath him that do his bidding or her bidding. Well, 
in God's kingdom, there are many under him that do his bidding. And so when God goes to move and bring someone provision in their life, he'll put angels on assignment to do that from the Spirit, to open up things. He has employees. We're employees. The angels are employees. We're all one kingdom. Well, I ask, is there anyone on assignment that is doing this? And, and the person becomes aware of an angel. And they hear the angel speaking. And they tell me what he's saying. Yes, I'm on assignment to bring this person their increase. So I said, is there anything hindering you from doing your assignment? And the person hears the angel. Yes, there's this giant wall over here. It's in my way. I can't go anywhere. So in the spirit, it is possible for the powers of darkness to put walls in place how they manifest, I'm not sure. I mean, I know it's through curses and works of iniquity and darkness and everything else. But really, like, how, what does it look like? I, I can't see it. There are walls. And, and the person here is the angel. They're describing the walls. It's like, I can't go past this wall. I'm withstood. <laughs> Did you know that angels could be withstood? <laughs> oh, of course. We just read about that, right? So now... Before you call me a heretic and a weirdo, just reread Daniel 10, verses 12 through 13, please. Anyway, the angel said, well, I, I, I'm withstood. This is wall. So I, I decree the wall be removed in Jesus' name. Now, because I spoke it out loud and didn't think it in my head like a knucklehead, you know, I actually used the biblical mechanics of getting things done in the spirit. The wall is removed. So the person hears the angel say, thank you. <laughs> Remember, deliverance 3.0, right? Deliverance 1.0 is getting people set free. Deliverance 3.0 is getting the angels that are on assignment for them out of a position of being withstood. Oh, my goodness. And I know you didn't know that could happen. Neither did I. So anyway, after we get the wall out, it said, was there anything else withholding you? Is there anything else that's preventing you from doing the assignment given to you by Jesus Christ? Yes, I'm bound up with all of these. And they were like ropes or chains or something. He was like tied up. The person heard that and, and kind of even saw it in the spirit. And so I said, okay, this is just great. No wonder there's no financial breakthrough here. The very assignee from God that's supposed to be getting this job done somehow got implicated in the massive warfare and was restrained from doing their assignment. So, <laughs> I know, right? It's crazy stuff. Some of you are listening to me and you're like, I've been praying to God for years about financial breakthrough and nothing I do seems to be working. Anyway, I, I then said, okay, well, I take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and I cut off all of your cords and ropes and everything that binds you in the name of Jesus. Because, you know, my, that sword of the spirit, well, it actually exists in the spirit realm and you can use it. I use mine all the time. As a matter of fact, I've punked spirits with my sword of the spirit and people have seen this. I have testimonies. You know, demon shows up, I'm so big and bad. And I said, would you like me to use my sword on your face? No. And and so this is how it goes. It's just very, very real. It, everything about the spirit realm, and this is what Christians need to understand, is literal. It's just literal 
in the spirit or on higher dimensional planes. So I have the sword. I use it. I say I'm, I cut off all these things. And and so the person who's the angel respond and say, well, that helps somewhat. But they were still bound up. And I said, well, what's withholding you now? Is it curses that have been specifically placed against this individual that have manifested against you? Yes. So the curses that were manifesting against the individual actually bound up the angels that were on assignment on their behalf from doing their job. So I had to go through and break a, a number, actually. It was more than one heavy-duty curses. And so I, sh- I got through and, and shattered those. What am I saying? At the end of the day, there's a few more stuff that happened that we had to deal with that was just a bit too weird. I'm, I'm just not going to get into it on this program. But essentially, we, we got the angel and, and commissioned him to do his job. And by the time we got done with our session, he was free to do it. In Jesus' name. And so, you know, we're believing God for a a bit of breakthrough at this point that wasn't even available before because of what had withheld or withstood God's assignee, the angel. Anyway, mechanics of the spirit that you don't know about. Um, Next point. In the book of Job, chapter 2, verse, we're still talking about portals today. We're talking about portals. We're talking about transactions in the spirit realm, how to get from point A to point B and back. So the Bible says in Job 2.1, again, there was a day when the sons of God, the B'nai Halohim, came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. So the angels are in and out of the courts of God. And Satan goes with them sometimes. And, you know, the Lord, when he asks Satan, where have you been? He says, well, I've been walking to and fro and up and down the earth. How did they get to the throne of God? Again, here we have, uh, this is portal activity. This is going from the second heaven to the third heaven. And really, when you look at how the earth is created, and I have a program on this called um, Creation in the Spiritual Universe. I think that's what I call it. I also get into this in my book, Higher Dimensions, Parallel Dimensions, and the Spirit Realm. The earth is layered in its creation, the way God ordered and, and composed it such that there is a spiritual realm that literally layers on top of the physical realm such that you can be in the second heaven and still traversing uh, actual geographies on the physical earth. But anyway, that's, that's what Satan does all the time. And so he goes from there to the third heaven and presents himself among the angels of the Lord. This is all portal activities. They're in the word of God, staring us in the face. Now, there's another uh, portal activity class in the Bible that involves an oh-so-interesting element. And it is the element of fire. Now, this is very interesting. Many African and even voodoo and other kinds of uh, practices they, 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 they'll, that are occult, they will use fire in their rituals. They, they'll, they'll do things where they light a fire and they do dances around the fire. They'll beat drums around the fire. They'll smoke drugs around the fire. <laughs> and they, they do different things. Uh, they'll do incantations in the presence of a 
fire. Why? Why the use of fire? Well, did you know that fire, according to the Bible, is a type of portal? How do you know that, Dandeval? Well, because I read the Bible. Now, I, I, you know, I get an attitude sometimes, folks. You know, I, I get an attitude because I went many years keeping my mouth shut. Well, I had people tell me this piece of their mind and that piece of their mind and this is why you're nuts, Dandeval, and that's why you need to keep your trap shut, Dandeval. And I watched as they systematically trained the people that they spoke to to be completely ineffective, defeated, and broken and told me to shut my mouth. And then I watched people suffer and feel the heart of the Lord because they have bought into really, really bad ideas. And I finally just got frustrated. So when God said, now you're allowed to talk, Daniel, sometimes I'm, it just comes out. I'm like, the, God's heart is breaking for all of these people that are being stepped on by the devil because they have been trained poorly in how to think about things. I mean, just their thought processes are so corrupted and polluted by, by people that challenge the things that I say with lunacy. So it comes out <laughs> like, ah, let me shatter the religious ideologies that bind you from a life of victory and fulfillment in Christ Jesus, where instead of you running from the devil, the devil is running from you. I really believe that Christians can graduate to a place where instead of them running from the devil, the devil is running from them. You know, it's been pretty common more recently in my ministry where every time I'm about to contend with a principality or some kind of high-ranking demon or this or that, they will actually take a moment and say, I know who you are. And I'm like, good, then you know what's about to happen to you. <clears throat> See, there is a way to graduate out of this this defeat, this this living so far beneath what I call privilege in God's kingdom. How is God going to say in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we have been given, that's past tense, the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, and yet determined that you're supposed to live a life of defeat. Is that not the ultimate contradiction of all time? The reason why Christians are living in defeat is because they have not understood the mechanics of leveraging the victory they have received in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> okay, so we're going to get to fire as a portal. Now fire, it really comes out in this passage. It's so cool. And I think I'm just going to take a moment and just read the Bible. Because, you know, it, it really does edify us. And in the book of Judges, chapter 13, there is a prophecy of the birth of Samson. So the Bible says in Judges 13, Again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. Now there was a certain man from Zorah of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed now you are barren and have borne no children, but 
You shall conceive and bear a son. Now, therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink and not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. So the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came to me, and his countenance was like the countenance of the angel of God. Very awesome. But I did not ask him where he was from, and he did not tell me his name. And he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. Now drink no wine nor similar drink, nor eat anything unclean, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, O my Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come to us again and teach us what we shall do for the child who will be born. Now let's just rewind and I'm going to explain what happened. An angel clothed itself with a physical body so that it could walk in the first heaven. And on its assignment from God, this angel went to the wife of Manoah, who was Samson's mother, and delivered the word of prophecy. Samson is going to be a Nazarite from birth. And so they thought it was a human. They thought this was a human. This was a man. But it wasn't. This was not a man. It was not human. It was an angel wearing a costume. (laughs) A bodysuit. It, it just it put one on. And it was able to do that because it was on assignment from God. And so everything that was necessary spiritually and uh, mechanically was fulfilled on its assignment. And it came in, in that body, and talked to him. So God turns around, listens to the voice of Manoah, answers his prayer. The Bible says in verse 9, God listened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God came to the woman again as she was sitting in the field. But Manoah, her husband, was not with her. Then the woman ran in haste and told her husband and said to him, Look, the man who came to me the other day has just now appeared to me. So Manoah arose and followed his wife. When he came to the man, he said to him, Are you the man who spoke to this woman? And he said, I am. Manoah said, Now let your words come to pass. What will be the boy's rule of life and his work? So the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. She may not eat anything that comes from the vine, nor may she drink wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean. All that I commanded her, let her observe. Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, Please let us detain you, and we will prepare a young goat for you. Again, you're not going to prepare a goat for an apparition. This This is a physical manifestation of an angel in flesh, in a body. That can be seen, touched, felt. Same thing happened when the Lord appeared to Abraham with two of his angels. They actually ate together. The, Abraham washed her feet. Uh, there, there was all these physical transactions that occurred. So he wants to feed on this goat. Verse 16. The angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Though you detain me, I will not eat your food. But if you offer a burnt offering, you must offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know he was the angel of the Lord. Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, What is your name, that when your words come to pass we may honor you? And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? So Manoah took the young goat with the grain offering and offered it upon the rock to the Lord. And he did a wondrous thing while Manoah and his wife looked on. 
Verse 20, it happened as the flame went up toward heaven from the altar, the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. When Manoah and his wife saw this, there fell on their faces to the ground. Now, this is what happened. See, they created the burnt sacrifice. They lit the fire. And that human-looking being with a body walked into the fire. And in the fire, essentially transfigures into the spirit realm. Why? It walks through a door and ascends in the flame. Where? Back to his post of assignment, the realm of God, assignment fulfilled. The fire was the portal. It was the doorway. It was the gate. Dan Duvall. Why do witchcraft practitioners use fire in their rituals? Because it's a portal. It works. You can bring spirits from the spirit realm into this world and into action through fire. There was a God in the Old Testament named Molech. He would cause children to be passed through the fire makes you wonder just how deep some of these ancient occult rituals and practices go when you look at the mechanics of the spirit for what they are and begin to see a bit beyond the veil. See, there's something highly significant going on with fire. Fire is a gateway between realms. Not only do you see this, though, in the book of uh, judges. Again, you see more having to do with fire. And <clears throat> by the way, you might be thinking at this point, you know, this is really interesting stuff, Dan Duvall. It would be kind of nice if you wrote it all down and put it in a book. Great thinking. It's all in my book, Higher Dimensions, Parallel Dimensions in the Spirit Realm. Actually, this is largely out of chapter 19, what I'm telling you about today. It's all there. And, and I kind of go through all these different Things having to do with portals. Last week's program, I was talking about portals. Also out of my book, Higher Dimensions, Parallel Dimensions, and the Spirit Realm. And that is available. It's available on Amazon. It's available on Barnes & Noble. It's available on our website, BrideMovement.com. You can even get it on www.thefireplacechurch.org because we are having our first official service this Friday April 15th and following this week, every Friday heretofore, we are going to be having our internet-based ministry service at www.thefireplacechurch.org and we have books available at that website as well. And so anyway, higher dimensions, parallel dimensions, and the spirit realm. Now, there is more having to do with fire as a portal and it occurs in the book of Daniel chapter 3. In this passage in the Bible, what you see going on is that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, well, these are three Hebrew children. They are intent on serving God, and they refuse to cooperate with the agendas of uh, the king of Babylon, and so they have to suffer the consequences. They have to be thrown in a furnace of fire. So they get this furnace, and then everyone takes a seat, it's like a watch. And they light this furnace so hot, seven times hotter than usual, that the soldiers that put the Hebrews in the fire actually die because they don't survive that job. They, they, they get them up to the furnace, put them in the furnace and die because of the heat. 
So hot, this furnace is. And it's full of fire. Well, the Bible says in Daniel 3, 23 through 25, this is amplified, and these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king saw and was astounded, and he jumped up and said to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered, True, O king. He answered, Well, behold, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like a son of the gods. So, here we see that as they put these three men into this furnace, into this fire, through the fire, steps a divine being. Many believe that this is a theophany. What does theophany mean? That's a manifestation of the pre-incarnate Jesus, the second person in the Trinity of the Godhead. It's a divine being steps in through the fire and into that furnace and protects the Hebrews in order to bring glory to the God of heaven. He's making a statement. He's saying, Nebuchadnezzar, I am more powerful than you, your soldiers, your furnace, and your flame. And so everyone survives. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they do not die in that super hot fire. The soldiers are killed just for putting them in there, and they're walking around, hanging out, having a good time. This is really wild stuff. But what I'm pointing your attention to is the fact that fire, in this case, serves as a portal. So not only can fire serve as an exit point into another dimension, as we saw in the case of Manoah and his wife, the parents of Samson, but it also serves as an entrance point into this realm. And we see that in the case of Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and the fourth man in the furnace. So there are these examples of fire being used as a portal. And there's other examples of portals that exist in the Word of God that allow one realm to open up into another. I mean, it's all over the Word of God. That's why I love it when people say, well, Dandoval, Dandoval, Dandoval. Oh, you silly guy, you. What do portals have to do with Jesus Christ and the Bible? I'm so glad you asked, let me tell you. See, in the book of Revelation, you find even more evidence of portal activity. Now, there's this part in the book of Revelation where you are in a series of what are known as trumpet judgments. Seven angels are given seven trumpets, and every time the trumpets sound, a judgment is manifesting upon the earth. And many people spend a lot of time trying to articulate well, this is when these trumpets happen, and these are when these seals happen, and those bowls of wrath, this is when they happen, and this is the order of them, and this is this, and this is that. And of course, I have my own ideas. You can look at my book, uh, Kingdom Government and the Promise of Sheep Nations, if you want some of those. That's not the purpose of this program. However, during the fifth trumpet, something very significant happens that I'm going to read to you. It says, Then the fifth angel blew his trumpet. And I saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. 
And to the angel was given the key of the shaft of the abyss, the bottomless pit. He opened the long shaft of the abyss, the bottomless pit, and smoke like the smoke of a huge furnace puffed out of the long shaft so that the sun and atmosphere were darkened by the smoke from the long shaft. Then out of the smoke locusts come forth on the earth, and such power was granted them as the power of earth scorpions have. It goes on in verse 7 and says, The locusts resembled horses equipped for battle. On their heads was something like golden crowns. Their faces resembled the faces of people. They had hair like the hair of women, and their teeth were like lion's teeth. Their breastplates or scales resembled breastplates made of iron, and the whirring noise made by their wings was like the roar of a vast number of horse-drawn chariots going at full speed into battle. They have tails like scorpions. They have stings. And in their tails lies their ability to hurt men for the five months. <clears throat> now, when we look at this passage, we can either get hung up on, well, but the timing of the fifth trumpet is, and my timing is better than yours. Um, then we can move on and say, you know what? These look like hybrid creatures. They actually look like they're not God-ordained, and they certainly do have a physicality when they come on the earth. And that speaks to, hmm, just what is being engineered and where are they engineering it? How did they get women's hair to go on a creature with a stinger and that has teeth like, you know, a lion? I mean, this is just really crazy. Well, so we have hybrid agenda all over this passage. And where is the hybrid agenda occurring? Where are they actually doing this? Where are these creatures coming from? They're coming from the abyss, the bottomless pit. Interesting, that's another realm. You don't just walk down Fifth Avenue, open a door, and find the pit, the bottomless pit, the abyss. It's not there. You won't find it. You don't find it in your closet. You don't find it when you take a plane over and go to Brussels. It's just not there. You can't go to the pit or the abyss as a physical location. It's another realm. And so what happens during this trumpet is that it, a star falls, an angel has a key, he opens a portal with the key, and the realm of the abyss is opened into the realm of 3D earth. That's a portal, folks. That's a portal. They come through, the smoke comes out, out of the smoke comes these hybrid nasties. And they hurt men with stingers for five months. <clears throat> it, it, it's quite profound. You know, how many places in the Bible do you find portal activity? All over the place. There's another story. I'm not, I mean, there's so much. There's so much. So here, here's some more. The book of 1 Samuel. Okay. In this passage, really, really interesting. In the book of 1 Samuel, you find King Saul. And King Saul is desperate. I mean desperate. David's just gaining on him. He's lost the blessing of God. He is not doing well. He can't hear from God. He doesn't have any clarity. So he goes and visits the witch at Endor. And he says, you know, I need you to do me this favor. And... 
First Samuel 28, verses 8 through 14 says, So Saul disguised himself, put on other raiment, and he and two men with him went and came to the woman at night. He said to her, Perceive for me by the familiar spirit and bring up for me the dead person whom I shall name to you. The woman said, See here, you know what Saul has done, how he has cut off those who are mediums and wizards out of the land. Why then do you lay a trap for my life to cause my death? And Saul swore to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord lives, there shall be no punishment come to you for this. The woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? He said, Bring up Samuel for me. And when the woman saw Samuel, she screamed and said to Saul, Why have you deceived me? For you are Saul. The king said to her, Be not afraid, what do you see? The woman said to Saul, I see a God, this is amplified, terrifying superhuman being coming up out of the earth. He said to her, In what form is he? And she said, An old man comes up covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel, and he stooped with his face to the ground and made obeisance. See, this is what is called necromancy. It's an occult art to call up the spirits of the dead. Now, some Christians argue that could not have been the actual spirit of Samuel because the dead do not have any communication with the earth. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after that the judgment. That's usually the verse they'll quote. And then they say, therefore, there's no way. Or they'll go to the book of in the Gospels and say, you know, there's a gulf in fixed between the, the Abraham's bosom and the place where uh, the other man went. So... You know, he saw Lazarus, but there was a gulf and fixed between them, and he was very thirsty. Well, they say, you know, the way we think the spirit realm works is that necromancy is a complete fraud. The only kind of spirits you can pull up are demons. I have had to conclude that the Bible simply says that Samuel came up. The woman sees Samuel. Saul perceives Samuel. As a matter of fact, the very mantle that was on the spirit of Samuel that ordained him a prophet of God was still with him where he was in Sheol. Because before Jesus came and took captivity captive and gave gifts unto men, Sheol was segmented. And there was a part of Sheol known as Abraham's bosom where righteous men died and went. And so when Jesus Christ shed his blood and allowed men to be righteous before God, he was also able to take captivity captive captive and extract Abraham's bosom and all that were therein to the third heaven so that now all of these men and women of God from the Old Testament are in heaven with God. And But back then it was different. So he was there and she was able to pull him up out of that realm. It's just, that's just what it says. And I'm sorry for all of those that say, well, I don't agree. Well, you don't have to, I guess. The Bible says it was Samuel though. It just says it was Samuel. And Samuel actually engages Saul as if he's Samuel. <laughs> he rebukes him. <laughs> like, if that was just a, a petty demon, well, you know, see, what, so what's happening there? The lady essentially, through her familiar spirit, opens a portal 
to Sheol. She opens a portal to Sheol. And she pulls up a spirit that is there. You know, the Bible is very clear in the Torah that necromancy is an absolute abomination before the Lord. God, why would God name necromancy specifically a dark art that is understood as the calling up of the spirits of the dead if he knew there was no such thing as that practice? Somehow there's a way to engage other realms. And see, I think the problem that people have is that they don't understand that all of these places, hell, the abyss, um, you know, Tartarus, they are realms. They are realms. And so realms do not have a fixed existence respective to earth in the same way that geographical locations have a relationship. And because of portals, the distance between realms can be bridged through spiritual mechanics under certain circumstances. And I, I mean, just being realistic about it. I, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've been working with individuals that have dissociative identity disorder, that have parts that I have literally found in Hades. Where is this part of them? It's burning in a pit in Hades. We have to send an angel to the Lord. We got to go into hell and get them back. I mean, that, that has happened many times. And, you know, for those of you that don't understand what that language is, we have a whole lot of explanation on the website, Mind Control. You can learn all about the subject of working with people with dissociated fragments, soul fragments, what that means, what it is, and why it's a problem today for many, many people. I minister to it all the time. I can tell you fragments get trapped and bound up in other realms. And one of those realms includes Sheol or hell, Hades. So if you can have parts of a person that are bound up there presently while they are still living life on earth, they haven't even died yet. This is the work of the devil. Why do we have to pretend like this isn't what exactly the Bible reads? Why do we have to read into the text some kind of, well, it was just a demon pretending to be Sam. Anyway, what am I saying? I'm talking about portal activity. Portal activity. You can open up portals to realms such as hell, such as the abyss. And where do we learn it can be done? Do we learn it from New Age Guru? That guy? Uh, no. We learn it from the Bible because it's right there. I read you all the texts. It's literally part of our belief system, Christians. As long as you even believe in the Bible. Because, you know, there are a lot of Christians that say, well, uh, the Bible actually doesn't define my version of Christianity. My version of Christianity is the sum total of my experiences and how I decided Jesus fits into them. Knucklehead, please spare me. Um, the Bible is the only way you can define your belief system if you're going to really be a uh, true follower of God. Because how, how are you going to decide that your life experiences determine your understanding of the faith that you follow. You can't do that because Christianity itself isn't a belief system only. It's a government. Oh, Lord, help us. Folks, portals are all over the Bible. And I'm going to go over one last portal today 
this is a highly significant one. I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about it. And uh, then we're going to conclude this week's program. But this, this final portal is really cool. And it happens in Luke chapter 9. Now, it's known as the transfiguration. Very, very strange passage. It reads like this. And he said to them all, and this is Jesus talking, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. But I tell you of a truth, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the kingdom of God. Very interesting language there in verse 27. And it begs the question, how does that make any sense? How is it that there are going to be people standing there, mind you, this is two years ago, that don't taste death until they see the kingdom of God? Now, if you're a dispensationalist, you believe that the kingdom of God isn't going to manifest until after Jesus comes back. That really, we're here trying to just survive earth and get to heaven, and that's the best we're going to do. Well, when we redefine all our terms and realize that that's nonsense and that the kingdom of God is the realm in which God is king and that Philippians 3.20 does say we are citizens in heaven from which we await the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and that Ephesians 2.6 says we have been raised up and seated with Christ in heavenly places and that... <sighs> Oh, goodness gracious. Uh, Colossians chapter 1 says, For we are delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of his dear son. You know, um, for in the book of Revelations, For I am your brother in the kingdom and tribulation of our true Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, there's so much on this subject. We are presently in the kingdom of God now. It's just, This is a now thing. We're attached to this realm. We see that P Jesus is essentially saying, There are some of you that will not taste of death until you see the realm in which God is king. But still, you know, I, I mean, I remember when I used to be a dispensationalist, and I would ask questions like, Well, are there people that have been alive for 2,000 years that God kept alive just so that this verse could be fulfilled? You know, <laughs> But it just sounds ridiculous. And I, I mean, I, realistically, I just don't think that that's what was going on there. Um, there might have been, <laughs> you know, the next best thought is, well, maybe someone time traveled back to the time of that statement and then came back to the present and they're actually living in this generation. You know, <laughs> I'd actually be almost willing to buy that one. But realistically, when I just read a little closer, the answer, the answer exploded in my face in the very same chapter. And here's what happened. I just kept reading the book. Just kept reading the book. And the book said, And it came to pass about eight days after these sayings, he took Peter and James and John and went up into a mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistering. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elias. Who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which should accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were awake, they saw his glory and the two men that stood with him. 
And it came to pass, as they departed from him, Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elias. That's Elijah, King James Version. Um, Not knowing what he said. While he thus spake, there came a cloud and overshadowed them, and they feared as they entered into the cloud. And there came a voice out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. And when the voice was passed, Jesus was found alone, and they kept it close and told no man in those days any of those things which they had seen. Now, in the first program on portals, I talked about how this cloud activity occurs when there's this rip in space-time that opens the third heaven into the first. Well, Jesus is there. He's talking with Moses and Elijah. Now, there's some portaling activity right there because they are already dead, yet they are talking with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus' very form changes. So they see not Jesus in his physical body or the earth suit, but in his spiritual body, which is his God suit. It's him as he is. And they see him, this glowing God being, standing with Moses and Elijah. And then when they go over to them and say, it's really good for us to be here. Oh, this is just awesome. Let's build these things. It was like, let's something so much bigger than building up a little stone is going on here. The cloud comes down and they enter into another realm. Eight days later, Jesus said, there are some seeing here that will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Well, at the end of this passage, it says they didn't even talk about the things which they had seen. Who saw the kingdom of God before they died? Peter, James, and John. They were permitted to see it. And they entered into it. How? Through a portal. Praise the Lord. The portal subject has so much to do with not only the mechanics of the spirit realm, but the Bible and Jesus Christ and what he did. And I'll tell you this. I'm not going to let the New Agers steal this language from me. And I'm not going to let them steal the language from you either. God has called a company of people to engage the spirit realm as professional executors of spiritual mechanics under the authority of Jesus Christ. He called us to dominate the spirit through Jesus and from the spirit to subdue the natural and expand his kingdom into the hearts of men and ultimately overtake the systems of bondage and uh, evil that the devil is built into this world. We are still on assignment even in 2016, folks. The kingdom of God is not relented. God is not scared of the devil. He's not scared of the new world order. He's not scared of the principalities. Then none of this stuff really gets to him at all. He know how God speaks to the principalities. He speaks to them like children. He talks to them like they are under a seat because they are. The only reason he tolerates them is because he's not done with his plan yet. And when we get a grip on who our God is and how he designed for us to walk in his promises, we change. The Bible says that through the great and precious promises, we are become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption which is in the world through lust. There are promises in God's word that as you engage them, believe them, and they get ironed into your heart and belief system will cause you to walk the earth as a child of God, a kingdom citizen, a powerful person to reign with Christ from the spirit realm and into the natural. Folks, there is so much potential in the Christian faith. It is mind-blowing. Boggles the mind. <sighs> and
And it's there before you. Folks, you've been listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. We'll be back next week. I hope you hang out with us on Friday night at 7 p.m. for the launch of The Fireplace Church. It's www.thefireplacechurch.org. Every Friday night at 7 p.m. CST, we'll be having our services. At every service, there will be an opportunity and to get involved in internet-based discussion groups that are moderated, to talk with people from around the world about the things you are learning, getting equipped with. You'll be able to have dialogue, ask questions, get answers, have fellowship, make friends. Folks, you've asked for it. God's ordained it. We've built it. And it's there starting April 15th. We'll talk to you soon. God bless and Godspeed. Discovering the Truth with Dan DeBall is the premier radio program designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program has been a production of Bride Ministries. You can find us at www.bridemovement.com At our website, you can contact us, access resources, and support us with donations. We need partners in order to continue to produce our vision, which is to promote unity in the body of Christ worldwide and assist in the creation and development of sheep nations. Partner with us, and be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed.